All right. Well, praise the Lord. We're glad that you're here today. Listen, there's something the Lord's put on my heart that I want to share. May or may not have anything to do with the, the, the sermon today. But I want everybody to understand something. You know, God is love. We talk about that. I wanted you to understand something. Love does not mean condone. Love doesn't mean condone. We are getting very confused about that today. Because, you know, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is, well, you know, just, you just, it, we'll just let love prevail. Yes, you can love but not condone. Christ loves us, but he's got some pretty finite sets of, of understanding of what is right and what is wrong, and he does not condone anything that's outside of his word. I'm sorry. So you can emotionalize it, you can rationalize it, you can be intelligent about it, whatever you want to do. Love doesn't, love is love, but it doesn't condone everything under the sun. So I just want everybody to really get a hold of that and understand that because um, we're seeing, I'm seeing signs of that. Well, you know, we, if you just love everybody, yeah, we can love everybody, but God doesn't condone everything. You can love and not, and it doesn't mean condone for whatever that's worth. Well, today I was, I was going down one, and I'll tell you what the title is. Now, next week, next Sunday, Jean-Paul Engler, um, missionary to French-speaking countries, he will be here with us next week. Um, and then the following week, I will start my series. Um, and it's a question, and it's, a couple of, couple, it's going to take a couple of weeks of why are you here? Now, that's maybe a funny question to ask a pastor, because I've talked to other some of my friends of mine that are pastors said, well, this is the title. And he said, why? Some of them said, well, why, why would you do that? Don't ask people why they're there. They, they won't come. <laughs> no, it's a question of why, why are you here? Exactly what are you seeking? What are you looking for? That's a question every one of us has got to answer. It's not about coming here to church. The Bible's pretty clear. Forsake not the gathering together as the day draws nigh, as some do. But come together. But why are you here? Because if you don't know the answer to that, then you're probably not finding what you're looking for. And I'll get more into that in a couple of weeks. But today, I was getting ready to go down that road today, but you know, the Lord, He, he changed gears, and there's something that the Lord was just reverberating in my head. I got a letter, and I won't read it, but I got a letter from, from a runner of mine. Um, and, and, and he said some really nice things about me and to me, and, and it just really hit me. And I want to share this because I think each and every person here probably at some level needs to hear this today. You matter. You matter. The enemy tries so hard today to get you so inundated and so overwhelmed with life and things in life that pretty soon all you just feel like I'm drowning and all I can do is just hang on and what I'm doing has no significance, and I don't know if that's you, but I, even as a pastor in my life, I feel that way sometimes. There's times that the, the enemy gets me distracted and gets me off, and I'm thinking, you know what? What good am I really doing anyway? If I wasn't here, would, any, would it even matter? And I'm not, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for pity. What I'm saying is this is a real thing that I know people deal with. You know, what significance am I? You matter. You matter so much that Christ came and died for you. You matter that much. But let me add something to that. You matter so much, but it's not about you. 
That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? You're telling me I matter, but that's not about me. How does that work? You matter so much because I'm going to tell you something that maybe you don't realize. Do you know the only way that the Lord's going to get anything accomplished on this planet is through you? You matter that much. See, the Bible talks about, you know, we keep waiting for this great outpouring of the Spirit, right? Like, we're going to be walking down the street and all of a sudden it's going to... The Bible is pretty clear. It says he's going to pour out of his spirit onto all flesh, us. To do what? To pour out his spirit. So somewhere we're, the middleman's getting in the way. <laughs> but you matter, and you've got to understand that you matter. And I want to, I want to go to a, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And again, like I said, Forgive me, but I'm just going to obey the Holy Spirit today. I was prepared. I was in Cedarville. I was getting ready to walk out to the platform, and the Lord says, nope, this is where I want you to go. So I'm furiously writing. So I've got all these notes for the three-week sermon series laid out, and I've got all this stuff in the margins that I'm writing. This. So that's the sermon, all the stuff in the margins. Yeah, forgive me. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 3 says this, and I want you to understand where I'm going with this. I'm not talking about divisive stuff today, people being in division. That's what I'm talking about. It says in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, And brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of, Ap of Apollos, and you are not, are you not carnal? Now, when he talks about carnal there, we're talking about the way you think, carnally. Something happens, and immediately, we try to figure things out ourselves in a carnal way, instead of going to the Word of God and trusting God and believing in God. So it's not, I'm not talking about the division, because in context, what he's saying here is people were going around saying, hey... I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by Apollos. I'm of Apollo. I'm of Apollos. Like that was some big deal. It's not the big deal. The deal is, is you are so extremely important, but it's still not about you. And sometimes we get so caught up and self-absorbed in us. And listen, I know every single person here, whether I, you're a visitor or not, I know that you deal with stuff. You're going through stuff. Everybody is. But do we make that stuff bigger than the Lord? And does it distract us from really being what God wants us to be and doing what God really wants us to do? So it says, I'm going to read on. Now in verse 5, When then, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed and the Lord gave to each one. So we, he was saying there, who am I? I am just a minister of what the Lord has given me. So I want you to understand, you are so vitally important. Sometimes maybe you're at work and you're thinking, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I don't like what I'm doing here. Can you look past you and see what God might be doing in you and through you and using you in that place? Amen. We had a testimony. 
there was a gal that was in a desperate, horrible place. And a sister in the Lord just shot her a little text about, hey, get into the Word of God and, and read the Word of God. And she said, I got into the Word of God and I was reading. She said, I can't even tell you what I was reading specifically. But it left. Boom. I was delivered instantly because of the power of the Word of God. Because I was in the Word. But see, what happens is the enemy, I am convinced, the enemy is all about severing relationship. First with Christ. Then with anybody else. That's what he wants to do. Because if he can sever the relationship with Christ, and that's why I've been talking about being intimate with Christ so much in the past month. We have got to get to a place of intimacy with him so that we know him because the enemy works so hard to cut that off. That is the life source. You matter, but it's about him. Everything that we do should come from an overflow of that intimate relationship with him. And when it doesn't, guess what happens? We lack, we debt, we're burnt out. All of a sudden, we're focused on all the wrong things. And here comes division. Division from what? Division from him, distance from God, distance from each other. Now, you're saying, but there's people in my life, they're just divisive. Well, then pray for them. It's not about you. And I'll tell you, this hit me probably two or three years ago. When we took this church, we had the church in Cedarville already, and we took this church, and I wanted this church. My, my desire was, oh, I want to see the church grow, the church grow. But see, my mindset was the church growing was numbers. But what I have seen in the last three years, I have seen such growth in this body. It is unbelievable. We look at, you see, that's the first thing we do. I go to pastor conferences all over the place, and they say, well, how many numbers you're running? I have no idea how many people are in our churches. God never told me to count them. I don't know. If you're here and you call me your pastor, I'll pass you. If, if you're not and you don't, I won't. It's that simple. I drive the bus. You get on, you get off. I'm just driving a bus. But, you know, I was so concerned about that, and I was stressed. I mean, I was stressed out. Lord, I'm doing everything you told me to do. I would have been. And, he, and I mean, in the middle of one of, my, one of my tantrums, let's just call it what it was. I'm like, God, you know, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing all this in your name, and I'm doing this for you, and I'm doing this for you, and I'm doing that for you, and where's all the people, and you're supposed to be. And he says, whose responsibility is that? I said, well, it's yours. He said, uh-huh. <laughs> said, oh, 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 I got it now. So, so he said, you obey me. My job is to grow the church. What are, and then he asked me, what are you looking at? I said, well, the people. He said, quit looking at the people. Look at what I'm doing in the people. Now, I'm going to ask you something. How much is it worth for one person to get the revelation of who Christ is for your life. I stayed at that miserable job for how many years, and one day somebody got that thing from the Lord that they needed. See, you matter because Christ can't move on this planet without you, but it's not about you, it's about Him. And so what Paul was saying here is that, hey, we're just ministers. It's not about me. So don't say, I'm of this man or I'm of this man. No, I'm of God. Yeah. And it's the Holy Spirit that works through us. And see, when you're born again, 
Do you know that some of you, we're a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, demon-chasing, on-fire-for-God church. And some people say, well, I don't pray in tongues. Well, it doesn't matter. When the Holy Spirit moves in, the gifts of the Spirit are there. Do you know some of you operate in the gifts of the Spirit and you don't even know what you're doing? Some of you may walk up to someone and you got an encouraging word for them that's right, oh my, I can't believe it, that was heaven sent. God just used you. That was a gift of the Spirit. Well, I, well, I didn't know what it was. Who cares? It's all for His glory. Because I'm going to tell you, I believe God. I believe in healing. And I really, I would love to go up to War Memorial Hospital and walk through everything and watch every person get healed and watch your leg grow out and, and all this stuff. And guess what? I would not start the Scout Hester School of Ministry or School, school of Healing that day. I wouldn't do it. Because it hasn't anything to do with me. Just a vessel. So you matter, vessel, but it's still not about you. But see, the enemy works so hard to get us focused on the problem at hand, we don't see the bigger picture of what God's trying to do. So, moving on. Here's what it says. Do you know that everything is seed time and harvest? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So, as a pastor, what do I do? Man, I pray, I fast, I seek God. I, I try to teach you the Bible practically, how you can apply it to your lives. I plant. Maybe I'm watering some seed today. Maybe I'm planting some seed today. It is up to God for the increase. Never, ever, 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 ever walk away with any encounter you've had with anyone where you shared something about the gospel, whether you planted the seed or you watered the seed, feeling like you have failed if they don't receive it. It is up to the Lord for the increase. You've done your part. But see, so many people... this. You know, brother, I won 355 people to Christ. How many have you won? And immediately, and immediately, exactly right. Immediately condemnation can come to somebody. Because, well, geez, I'm useless. I haven't led anybody to Christ. But, but you know what? You know, my wife maybe hasn't led a whole bunch of people like Christ, but she has sowed so much into people. And here's kind of the way. For ye I remember one man, that he died. Um, he was sick, terminally ill. I mean, for years, she would take stuff to him, feed him, this, that, and the other. And, and one day I visited with her. I had the privilege of leading her to Christ. She laid all the foundation. She planted all the seed. I just came and watered it, and there was a harvest. Who gets the glory for that? I could say, oh, yeah, I led him to Christ. It wasn't my, it wasn't my labor. It's Christ's labor. He's the one that died. He did the dying. He gets the credit. And so it's up to him. But see, what we do is we get into this place where we think it's about us. If I don't, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. Pretty soon, we've worked ourselves into a frazzle, and we're still, and then it's like, you know what, Lord, where are you? He's saying, I'm right where I've always been. You, you plant, you water, but trust God. Some of you have children that are, are wayward. Have you planted seed? Have you, do you know one thing I found as a pastor in 25 years of ministry, probably closer to 30 now, people do exactly what people want to do. You can't make anybody do anything. The Holy Spirit can draw them. So what do you do? Quit trying to make people do what you want them to do. Pray for them. Plant a seed and allow the Holy Spirit. You know, my mother, God bless her, she, she would... You know, she got to a point with me in, in her Christianity that there was nothing she could do with me. I was like, you know, leave me alone. Don't preach another sermon to me. 
She said, fine. She started praying. And I remember being at college. And I remember calling her on the phone all upset, you know, because my life was miserable. I mean, I was successful, and, but I was just kind of, you know, you'd have those down times. I mean, things are good. She said, well, you praying? No. Are you reading your Bible? No. I, what has that got to do with anything, praying and reading my Bible? How's that going to help anything? I need help. She said, well, I'm praying for you. And the more she prayed, the more miserable I became. Now, I got born again. I got a wife. She's a praying woman. Same thing. We got some decision to make or something, and I, she, she has her opinion. And I say, well, praise God, I don't agree with that, and this is what we're going to do. You're going to submit one. Blah, blah, blah. She's, I'm just going to pray. <laughs> so then she goes and starts praying, and all of a sudden I start realizing the magnitude of this decision, the responsibility I have as the head to make this decision. I've got to make a right one. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, honey, now what, what were you thinking again? <laughs> yeah. What was the wisdom you were giving me there? Because I'm finding out my wife's got a lot of wisdom. Now, I still have to, ultimately, I'm responsible for making the decision, but husbands, I'm just going to say this. You're dumb. <laughs> if you don't get at least your wife's input. Now, some, some people would disagree with me. and They'll say, no, woman. Blah, blah. You live your family and your life the way you want to. Go ahead. So it says in verse 7, so then look at this. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And I'm not saying that we all take credit for what God's doing because every person in here, I know anything good that happens, man, they say glory to God, and, and that rightfully so. But my point is this. Sometimes you get, the enemy gets to you to a place where you think that you do not matter and what you are doing is insignificant. That is a lie. You matter, and you are significant, and you are going to be shocked at how many people that you have influenced in your life, and you don't even know it. Shocked. And every one of you, and you need to hear that very thing too. You are not insignificant. You matter. But it's not about us. I know it's hard for me to say that you matter, but it isn't about you. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. It is about the Lord and what He can do with you and through you and what He's doing in you. Because see, that way, you can't feel condemned because I didn't do something right. I'm just going to go about doing something. My thing is, is yes, I'm going to love people. And again, I'm going right back to what I said. I don't condone everything everybody does because I can't because of the Word of God. But I'm going to love you. I'm going to tell you the truth in love. And then I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get mad at you if you don't do what I say. Because if I was the truth, if that's the way it was, I'd be mad all the time because nobody listens to me. I've never seen anything like it. People come in for marriage counseling. I say, okay, this is what the Word says. God says, you got to do this, you got to do this. Things fall apart and they, they want to say, well, you know, yeah, yeah, what else, what else have you got for us? <laughs> Nothing else. The Lord, it's about the Lord. And he's, he's, he can use you, he wants you, you, are, you matter, you're significant to him. It's okay. See, sowing and reaping, the enemy wants to stop relationships at every level. Now, I want to I say this. When you're in that place where you're overwhelmed, this is what the Bible says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. We can rest in Him because it's still about Him. I want to tell you something. Your life may be a wreck. The Lord is going to meet you right where you're at, and the Lord can use you right where you're at. He can. He will meet you right where you're at. And, and Jeremy Horns, I don't know if he's got a song or he's got a, I think it's a song. Beautiful mess. He, you know, he looked in the mirror one day, he says, man, I'm a mess. The Lord said, but you're a beautiful mess to me. He loves you. You're significant. You matter. You matter. Because the Lord needs to work through us, but he's got to work in us. See, too many people are, are expecting to be just walking down the street and all of a sudden just God's just going to hit them. And I'm getting into my sermon a little bit for next week. God says, seek me. You've got to seek him to find him. He searches your heart. But we have to do the seeking of him. And we'll find him. He makes himself available. But too many times we put the emphasis on us. What they were saying is, well... Apollos does this, Paul does this, and I'm of him, and I'm of him. And, and Paul's saying, wait, who am I? Who is Apollos? We're nothing. It's all about him and what he can do. I don't ever want anybody to think, because I don't believe this is God for a second, that you are so worthless that God can't do something in you and he can't do something through you. People say, well, I don't know the Bible. You have a testimony, use that. If nothing else, this is what I was and this is what I am. I don't know. That's all I know. And that's enough. That is enough. But see, the enemy tries to convince you that you're not worthy and society will help you right down that path. They really will. But you matter. I just can't emphasize that enough. Somebody, maybe all of us need to hear that, you know what? You, you matter. You're significant. People that are involved in my life, my life wouldn't be what it is without some of you in it. You matter. You matter to the Lord. But it's got, we've got to stop being focused on us and self all the time and, and really focus on what God is doing in us and through us. Because, see, our mountain is a molehill to him. If we can just get a hold of that. Let me see if I wrote anything else down in the margins here. All right, let me finish this off. Here's what it says. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. Nobody gets credit for that. It's all the same. It's all Christ. And each one will receive its own, his own reward according to his own labor. God's going to reward you according to what you do, not worry about what somebody else is doing. Jamie gets a new car, and I'm all upset. How come he got a new car, and I didn't get a new car? Can't you be blessed because he got a new car? I'm thrilled anytime somebody does something like that. Now listen to this. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, and you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, Paul's saying, I have laid the foundation, and someone else or another builds on it. But now this is where we have to be careful. 
But let each one take heed how you build on the foundation of the Lord. Can't be your own way. It's got to be his way. The foundation is the word of God. Let's just make that very, very clear. Because what we've got today is we've got a whole bunch of opinions. And, and I'm going to get into this again in the coming weeks. Your grandparents and maybe our, your generation, us that are little 50 and older, our decisions were based on our intellect or our, our logic. It made sense. Now, my grandparents, what they were told, they believed. My generation had to make sense. The millennials, it's all emotion. It's all emo It's how I feel. It's all about how I feel. If I feel this or I feel that, and then it's, it's you know, if I don't feel it, then it can't be true. Such a lie. I'm telling you what, both sides of those arguments are wrong. It's not logical, and it's not an emotion. It's the word. Because that's what, you can't, without faith, you can't please God. Well, faith is trusting this. It's that simple. So, let me come all the way back. Boy, I did good. You matter. And you have to understand that each and every one of you matters. And the enemy has tried to beat some of you down so bad because society says this is what success and what people that matter looks like. And that is nothing of what the Lord says success or what matters looks like. It doesn't. It does not. And I'll give you my last story. There was a gentleman that lived in our area. <clears throat> he worked at, a, and I've shared this story before, he worked at a local dump. Always had a dirty old t-shirt on. Um, you know, lived in, in, in not a really nice house. Wasn't very well educated. Um, by society standards, he, he wasn't much. But this is a guy that I remember one day, the Lord spoke to him and he filled up his little truck full of wood. And he drove three hours to Marquette, Michigan, west. Not even knowing where he was going. Just going to trust God. Just driving my truck with my wood. Went down this road, went down that road. Lord, there was a light shining on the side of this house. And he said, uh, you know, it had a night light. light it, was, it was like dawn. Driven all night. Lord said, that's the house I want you to drop the wood off to. So he drops the wood off. He goes in the house. The couple had been arguing and fighting, drinking all night long. Things weren't good. This man prayed for him, got him saved, even found a church for him. Okay? Now, in God's eyes, he was significant. In the world's eyes, he was a throwaway individual. You cannot, God doesn't see like we see. God doesn't see the way society sees. You matter. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because if Christ died for you and you received him, I don't think that there's a bigger endorsement anywhere ever than that. Amen? Praise God. Well, let's give the Lord a hand and shout. You got something? All right. This is my wife. And the wise man says if she's got something to say, listen. Should be, should be up. It's up.
Yep. There you go. They didn't have the book to tell them the end of the story. Those are Bible Bible studies that we have. Yeah. Good, 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 good word, woman. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Visitors, we've got a visitor from Maine. Greet him. He's neighbors. Oh, go ahead. Tell the story. You're not even going to believe how big God is. Um, I am a 125th, 24th owner of a little cottage out in Maine, in Harpswell, Maine. I mean, this is smaller than Cedarville people. They don't even, they, it's small, Harpswell. 
We've eaten some of the same lobster out of the same ocean. <laughs> hey, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Be blessed this week.